You're looking for trouble? You came to the right place. You're looking for trouble? Look right in my face. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike Wong, co-host also Mike in a moment as we guide you through this hellscape of America. Yeah, sure, that too. But also uh, the movie Elvis and an Oscars profile that we are giving to you today, Michael. Well, we had the can reception hype things up. We had the audience, I would say, division, right? The film Has the can audience ever not have they been biased ever or unbiased i guess have they ever said you know this movie are, might be polarizing yeah those are radically different ideas biased right. or unbiased i'm not I'm not, I'm not doing well today mentally they're, uh, they've never been unbiased i would agree with that <laughs> part of it if you misspoke there or yeah, if did. you didn't uh i'm afraid for the rest of this episode but <laughs> like we've had a big fat messy lead up to this movie and both of us were bracing for it right mm-hmm. even to the point where we were like ah screw it sure we'll invite our parents to come with us yeah <laughs> and we well, did yeah i mean but i i think that actually illuminated something for me and that yeah. yes we were, we saw elvis we th- saw it in theaters last night on the uh 23rd of june right before this country officially went back to the 1950s hmm. we're going to try to be a respite and a reprieve from reality as we always are but that's the last i'll try to say about uh, what's going on in other world uh, going on in this country politically but uh, i brought my mother you brought your mother and father i think seeing like my mother and your mother were practically giddy at the end of that movie yeah and I they, think that's, yeah, I think Boz Lerman made a movie for our mothers. <laughs> they did. And it was, I was happy seeing our parents so happy. Yeah, me too. And that definitely softened my review on it. I don't know about yours. I actually, I'm all softened. I'm a, I'm a soft yeah. ball of putty in this episode because even the stuff I typically hate, and I hated it in this movie, I laughed at it. And therefore the laughter gave you know, rise to my overall mood mm-hmm. and a lot of the silly cliches of this genre. And they're all of them in this movie. All yes. of them, all of yes. them in, uh, th- that have ever been cliched in any, they movie, should have I been think. just called cliche. <laughs> they're all here. I enjoy the audacity of jamming it all into a, t- you know, even a three hour movie because Michael, I was not bored for more than maybe five minutes of this film. Like there are lulls, a few, but this movie is ridiculously watchable. (sighs) Preposterously so. (laughs) In as far as if I were to describe this movie to someone, would you think it's watchable? Yes, it comes off far more watchable than the description of it would be. If you're talking about, if you sit down with this movie, do you have any coherence with what you're watching it? If you're watching this sober, is it watchable? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think in the way that we take in cinema, like I, I hope we need more than just the timeline blown up in, in basically a two hour and 40 minute music video of this man's life. And he lived that much life to deserve. Swell said, I talked to her last night about it, and she said the movie was edited as as if it was all the coming soon feature on an episode of a true crime documentary. 
like a true crime television commercial. Right. Like it's a trailer. Yeah. It's like trailer speed. And I think uh, David Ehrlich's review of the, you know, the 4,000 miles, it's, it's Bohemian Rhapsody at a delirious 4,000 miles per hour. Like that is true. That's so brilliant. true. Yes. But I got to admit, Michael, I enjoyed that because we don't get that very often. I lo- you know me. I'm a montage-aholic. Yep. I love this music. I love seeing our parents giggling yep. for two, three hours. I had fun. Can I just admit I had fun for three hours watching Elvis? Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I agree that this is – you. it's impossible not to find something fun in this movie because yeah. – it is done in a way in which biopics generally lately have not been done, I would say for good reason. And the reasons of which they haven't been done in this way, in which they show the entirety of someone's life, <laughs> is because it's impossible to do in a coherent way. Right. But does it matter that level of coherence? Or, or I think it, to go beyond like catharsis, like we don't get the catharsis we're used to from Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon at the end of Walk the Line Correct. or Chadwick Boseman at, at in the middle of Get On Up or right. even I would say, you know, there's there's a moment in the middle of Judy Garland's film, uh, Judy, where Renee Zellweger just blows, blows, bowls me over emotionally. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that here. I don't think our our parents would give the same review, though. I think they were legitimately moved. I agree. This story. I agree with that. And I also was wondering, well, if there's that kind of disconnect between what I'm seeing and what like our mothers are seeing, how's that going to play with the Academy? Whereas I I would not think this is the best picture contender whatsoever. But if this is speaking that well to an older audience, which we know the Academy still is in way too much control of or at the behest too, much like the country of America, I, I could see this doing it's going to be Oscar nominated, and we're going to get to all that. And I can yep. see it doing better Oscar nom wise than you or I think it should. Well, let's get down to business because there is kind of evidence, not kind of, there is evidence to why this movie could have that that momentum down the stretch. I mean, it was uh, received extremely well at Cannes, and back then I mentioned in that solo pod, Mike, that it had an eighty-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes on seventeen reviews. If you, if I had to bet money what that tomato meter score would have been two months later, I would have bet it would have gone down because critics yeah. would have despised it mm-hmm. uh, or more like Mr. Ehrlich. But the score after 197 reviews, Michael on Rotten Tomatoes, it's still an 82 or it's still an 80%. It's impressive. That's impressive. 62 meta score. The audience ratings are going to be high. There's 7.8 on IMDb. Uh, it'll be high on Rotten Tomatoes. Box office, it did maybe a little better than expected last night in Thursday previews. We don't know what it'll mean. 3.5 million on Thursday. Does that equal 35 million? Does that equal 40 million? Rocket Man did 1.75. It did literally half that, and it did 25 million. So does it mean 50 million to get a 3.5 on its opening night? Tom Brueggemann, Mike. He believes that there'll be five movies that'll make over 20 million this weekend. 
including Lightyear, Dominion, uh, Top Gun, Maverick getting the premium screens again, and then the two newcomers with Elvis and the Black Phone, and the Black Phone did terrific yeah. uh, in Thursday previews with $3 million. So we had the over-under at 150 and 300 150 domestic, 300 worldwide. Are you still picking the under on that, or are you, might, you thinking over for Elvis? I think it's a good number I picked. Yeah. what my first thought was. Uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of squarely in the middle of this does end up doing, you know, 50, 150 domestic would be a 3X multiple. Are you going to get $50 million at opening? I think it'd be under $50 million for its opening weekend, I would think. And if it does that, then, yeah, I'd still think I would go a tad under I for think the numbers top- I have. I think Top Gun got older moviegoers back in theaters. I think Downton Abbey kind of, you know, got a few of them. But I think Top Gun got most of them. And now Elvis is a huge theater-going spectacle that the entire older generation is going to go and see now. I think they have to. It's not coming on HBO Max anytime soon. They're going to leave this thing in theaters to play through the summer. I think it's going to hold fairly well. I think those people want to be back in movie theaters. I think the $85 million budget demands that they make as much money as possible with Elvis in movie theaters. And I think we had a bigger budget when we talked about the over-under. Yeah, by the we, way. Did. we did. We did. The $200 million, that's where it was listed. It was. I saw it on a couple places, not just every, Wikipedia. Everybody now says that the production budget's $85 million. Is that a marketing budget attached? Is that other stuff? I don't, I don't know how that number grew so big. So maybe we were off or maybe they, they're lying now. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> and why not? People just lie these days. Why not the movie industry as well? Uh, plot premise from his childhood in Tupelo, Mississippi to his rise to stardom starring in Memphis, starting in Memphis, Tennessee and his conquering of Las Vegas, Nevada. You could tell this is going all over the country. Elvis Presley becomes the first rock and roll star and changes the world with his music. Michael, I expected to get a deliriously awful biopic, like David Ehrlich said, at 4,000 miles per hour. I didn't expect the speed of this movie to make it as fun as it was. And the fact that I the fact that I got a three-hour music video or kind of a life music video, a lifetime chronology thing of Elvis, and I, I enjoyed his career arc that much, kind of shut me up. I wasn't a dairy girl here. I was actually into this movie to the point where you tried to start up yeah, conversations me. with me. I wouldn't engage. Yeah, you angered me. I just me. like, I yeah, like uh-huh. I, yeah like I, I, I figured you didn't, but I, I also didn't care as much as I was enjoying the movie. I was, ta- <laughs> was toe-tapping along with the, Like, there are 35 songs on the soundtrack, and we got them all <laughs> in this movie. So this is part of my review in that, when you do a biopic in this way, it's kind of a double-edged sword, especially a musical biopic, because if you're choosing to show the entire life of someone, you have to go 8 billion miles per hour, right. and you, you lose the attachment to the characters and really any action or any kind of antagonism or consequence going on within any particular scene. But also, you almost if, for a guy like Elvis, you almost kind of have to do that and decide to do that, much in the way like Rocket Man kind of did, or I guess Bohemian Rhapsody to a lesser extent. But like, you need to fit all these songs in because you don't want to be the, you don't want to drop the one famous song that these person that this person released that because they have so many bangers that's going to piss off the audience where they go home and be like, oh man, I wish Blue Suede Shoes was in there. How could they not have a Blue Suede Shoes part in the Elvis movie? You know what I mean? They played the hits and all of them. Right. <laughs> Which they have to. You have to. Like, I feel like you, your hands are tied. You have to do that. If if you're going to play 35 Elvis songs, 
and, and some of them are covers and they play, replay them in, in some instances. And you're going to tell his whole life and career story. This is probably the only way you could do it. I, like, I give Baz Luhrmann credit, Mike, for making this somewhat watchable. Now, you talked about coherence. I, I, I would kind of argue catharsis. I would argue river wide, it kind of somehow barely works. But river deep, it doesn't go deep at all. Now, <laughs> I wonder if our parents here would disagree with that because they were moved by it. But Robert Daniels and Juliet Littman and other of our of our critics that we typically cite and like, they call Baz Luhrmann a maximalist. And that is certainly the case here. He... Just fucking call him insane. <laughs> Just say he is a crazy person. I, I didn't expect, I guess this goes to expectations or watching. I didn't expect Moulin Rouge. Right. Which is what, I mean, we got Moulin Rouge, the Elvis story. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just lights and sounds and spinning things and flashing things and just it, it's the it's the scene in Vertigo or mm-hmm. I think it's Vertigo where they're going over the court case <laughs> and how she goes to uh, how she ends up in prison with the flashing lights with this close up on the face. And I get how like if you don't like it from the jump, like Mr. Ehrlich seemed to dislike it, despise it, then you'll hate it. Like it won't be you'll have to rip it apart in your review. But if you enjoy it from the beginning and you're just kind of in for it, like I like this big gaudy music filled story. I, I think it's almost like a concert. If you like the band and you go to a concert and you see a three hour concert, then you're you're in for it. And if you don't like the band or don't know the band, you're probably not in for a three hour con- that three hour concert in particular, right? Yeah, I I just I'm actually surprised that if you don't like it when you strap in, you you don't think you'll like it for the remainder of the movie. I would push back on that only because I feel like there's every different kind of movie in this movie. I think you're gonna find something you like. Really? So you, but did that happen to you or you get? Oh, yeah. Well, look, your, my, okay. my first take coming out of the theater was the first hour and a half were unnecessary. Like, just tell the story <laughs> of Elvis in the, the Vegas years, which is what I think Boz Lerman wanted to do. I think that could have been the entire movie. From the right. NBC it, special it through the end of his life. Yeah. It encapsulates the, the conflict of big business, right. show business versus, uh, you know, artistic The conflict in, of integrity. character with going on within yeah. Elvis, the conflict between him and the colonel, the conflict between Elvis and society and the, the rise and fall of his career. You had all of that. All of it. Which was in the two. I mean, we only, you have two major set pieces within this movie. One's on the NBC soundstage and one's in Vegas. True. And we spent a lot of time there. I think that and it's like an hour and 20 something minutes. If you go into the depths of the controversies that were going on within those scenes, where it's a man who was once at the top of the hill in Hollywood trying to reclaim his title and reclaim his life and figure out who he is without this professionalism and blah, 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 that could, to me, could have been a much more river deep movie. I I 100% agree. What, What we do get instead is dialogue almost as captions for the boy rest of those the last two decades really flew by didn't they buddy boy <laughs> you have characters like i'm laughing aloud like i'm clapping sometimes i'm slapping my knee at the audacity of some of these transitional mm-hmm. expositional just like blurtings out of the dialogue of the story like you have tom hanks just spouting it out you have them talking about rfk like oh the 60s are really getting on us right now (laughs) like you it's exposition as ammunition but if every scene requires a barrage or onslaught of just emptying all the 
ammunition into your face because you have to because you're going at ludicrous speed. The dialogue was like, it felt like there was a, a local theater play being put on and somebody wrote, decided they were going to do a life story, but they had to fit it into 40 minutes. Like there was literally a point where there were on the NBC soundstage. This isn't a spoiler. <laughs> they're on the NBC soundstage and Elvis is giving this big figurative middle finger to both Colonel Tom Parker and uh, the, the sponsors and all these people and reclaiming his life. And in the middle of him doing this big crescendo song, yeah. Bobby Kennedy gets shot while they're all on the soundstage. So then they have to all literally run off camera to go collect in this little room to watch this little t- Like it's all happening at the same time. Mike, we were worried about the trailer because the trailer was exactly this. Yes. Just done <laughs> they in did two not hide minutes it from us. <laughs> instead of two hours. Right. Or three three minutes instead of three hours. Mike, we got the trailer pacing for this entire freaking sure did. film. And sure we got did. the trailer moments and then some like the colossal amount of editing work. I gotta tip my hat to these guys. And I just think, you know, Jonathan Redman and Matt Villa, they've been working with uh, Baz forever, but look at their CV. Like Villa also did Lego Batman, which was ludicrous, by the way, mm-hmm. in terms of its pacing. Peter Rabbit too. Like they've done kids movies. Like Red- Redmond did The Get Down, which apparently is like almost climax. You know, uh, the French movie climax. Right, Gaspar Noe. Yeah, Gaspar No pacing in terms of just dance montages. So this is this is unbelievable that he is going to have a hit on his hands. I think. Based on the, this choice of of you know storytelling, like he has, like let's get back to the evidence here. Baz has Oscar and BAFTA noms for every single movie he's ever done. Strictly Ballroom, eight BAFTA noms, his first movie uh, that was a huge hit in Australia. I I recommend it. Big thumbs up. I enjoyed that one of his uh, first films in the nineties. Then he comes Romeo and Juliet, Moulin Rouge, Australia, The Great Gatsby. They all got one to eight or nine Oscar nominations in the Gatsby. His last film, 2013 went two for two winning costume and production design. Uh, this is going to follow in those footsteps. I think it's going to be Oscar nominated. Like I said, there's no doubt. And the leader of that is going to be Austin Butler. Yeah. I, I can't, Oh, I, I, I can't help that. I have like 17 more paragraphs. I know I I'm jumping the gun. And, I know. Yeah, yeah. Austin Butler. I want to get there, but can I just, can I say this last thing about the story? Sure. Because I think, that the framing of it works, but you have like 10% where the slowdowns happen, and the slowdowns are rare, but there's Tanks versus Butler slowdowns. And I will say about Butler's performance, I think he nails it in the fact that he, he's very mature in his choices. Like he has Tom Hanks carrying those scenes even behind all that makeup and he's he's making unique choices where he's actually subdued in many cases and when he goes over the top emotionally it's almost as a as a bit because he's in his stage performance or it's right on uh, right off the edge of his vegas stage performance at the end i was i was actually bowled over by his maturity as an actor and this is why denzel raves about him this is why a lot of people rave about austin butler because he carries those scenes somehow Somehow, because those scenes don't work for me at all on on the page, they're psychologically manipulative. So unless you bring all the nostalgia from having lived it, like probably our parents have, mm. and and here's where I think the Baz Luhrmann brilliance of it all might be, 
if you know the story, which I think our parents do, I think they know the story of Elvis. What they don't know is probably the showbiz angle. Like this mm-hmm. is a unique angle. You don't need to tell the Elvis and Priscilla story necessarily because that's been told a bunch of times. You don't need to tell the Elvis and drug story. You know, they tell them all. They do. But they the one that they dive into is Hanks versus Elvis. It's singing versus snowing. It's it's business versus art. And he does that in an effective way, at least on the surface, I would say. <laughs> There's just so many different directions to go. It's so much movie. It's yeah. all the movies. <laughs> it's every movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the framework of it works because you, all you have to do is is have someone with the panache and, and the, the, you know, CV of Baz Luhrmann go into a studio and be like, I want to tell Elvis's life story. Uh, yeah. Okay, great. Oh, you're actually going to tell his the entire life. life story? Well, maybe <laughs> we should have some talks then, Boz. You know, like, and again... What you're talking about, those scenes and I, how people may not know the actual conflict going on between the Colonel and Elvis, and it's Austin Butler carrying these scenes surprisingly. from t- All of that happens within these big set pieces, like I said, which is what I agree with what you're saying, and why I also said, tell that movie. Like, I want to know way more about the interplay and the, the business relationship between Elvis and Colonel Tom Parker than we you, got in this movie. You wanted the... Th- three season television series yeah like give me that man like give me it doesn't even have, give me the two hour vegas residency movie right or, or it could have been a mini series let's just say be let's be honest i think he crammed an entire mini series on on netflix one of those good ones into this one movie and this should have been this should have been 12 hours instead of three i actually asked my mother about that too when, I, when we were coming home driving home and i was like the first half of this movie, the first hour and a half or whatever it is, seems so unnecessary. And she was her response was similar to what you kind of said. It's like, well, it's good if you don't know the story of Elvis. And I, my response to that is, what did the first hour and a half of this movie teach you about Elvis that people are already unfamiliar with? Like that he was a kid that went to church at least once, even though... <laughs> <laughs> Even though he went way more, obviously, in his, in his life. He enrolled in the army, which we all know. He found Priscilla, which we all know. They had Lisa Marie, which we all... Like, there's not... You're right. not really fertile any new ground here. I don't disagree that the heart of the story happens. But, I mean, it's business... It, like, that's what Baz Luhrmann's really interested in. He's interested in the business uh, conflict. And we'll get into that in spoilers. You're not wrong. I do think, like, to get into performances here, Austin Butler is the draw to the younger generation. And why this movie movie may do the over on our box office predictions is he's such a, you know, sex symbol superstar and he's doing so, so well in this that he might draw in that next and next generation to come into the story where you actually need all of that exposition if you're going to tell it tell it all otherwise it's just directed kind of like judy like my mother comes to judy with a totally different understanding than me and she made me watch like documentaries and all the performances and had to you know really educate me on most of judy garland's life because i didn't know it with the focused storyline of judy but judy as a movie or let's let's be honest. Judy as a story works more than this movie because it's more manageable. Your hypothesis there is that there are teenagers and twenty somethings. Right, you could be right. I'm asking sincerely. You think there are young people walking around right now who don't know 
that Elvis yeah. came from rural upbringings and had a tough childhood and did I think some they appropriation don't of culture and and got his went to the army and all. You don't right. you think people aren't familiar with the upbringing of Elvis? I I do believe that yes. If I think if you because if I ask my younger brother who's Elvis, tell me the story of Elvis, he would not be able to tell you any of that. Mm. Okay. One hundred. There's no way. And oh, that made the kids I work with. They I have no clue. They well, have shame no on them, and America's going to hell for that reason, amongst many others. Um, I, I will say about Austin Butler and him becoming this, this is a star-making performance for him. He, I think the trailer did him a huge favor. Yeah. Because one of my biggest gripes was that in the trailer, I was like, this guy doesn't look like Elvis, he doesn't sound like Elvis, and he didn't when he was young Elvis. But sure. as Elvis ages in this movie, which we actually get to watch in real time because it's ridiculous, <laughs> as Elvis ages in this movie, good Lord, does Austin Butler look more and yes. more like Elvis Presley. I was stunned by that, and they hid that ball yeah. in the trailer. You don't see any of aged Elvis in the trailer, and I think that did him a great service, as a matter of fact. I will give credit where credit is due. I... I made fun of the makeup and hairstyling yep. of this movie on many many fronts and i will still make fun rightfully of the tom so hanks. rightfully yeah, so tom, tom hanks, tom hanks does, tom hanks looks like tom hanks with big jowls he doesn't it's not transformational like gary oldman was it looks, looks like, like tom like hanks with big jowls baba yaga yeah <laughs> bob colonel baba yaga from a guillermo del toro film it looks absurd. It's ridiculous. Jabba Jar- the Hanks. Yeah. Jabba the Hanks. <laughs> I was going to say Jar Jar Hanks again. Jabba the Hanks yeah. is better. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> uh, he looks absurd, but Austin Butler looked great, and, and the impersonation and the thickness of the of the caricature, or the you know the caricatureness, it, it has to happen in Vegas. Of course, it happens, and you're right. The, the mimicry goes up the chart. But like his dramatic scenes, like with his family, with his parents, they're they're actually subtle, and they're ju- he just seems like a he's oh he's a hell a of an actor. He, yeah, and, he and what's amazing job. is what you touched on already with Denzel. And I watched Tom Hanks's interview with uh, Colbert. Like everybody he works with, all these A lists cannot stop raving about this kid. If anybody is allowed to say tour de force, he, Austin Butler gets gets that title. Well, he delivered I mean, a tour Jesus de force. Jesus Christ, if he's anything other than a superstar in this movie, this movie falls apart. It completely falls apart. If he's if he's not good, it's terrible. And, and he I, and he's great. And he's great. So it's it's not this snarling Elvis impersonator from no. Vegas. You're this not getting is, married is, in the chapel at two AM with Austin Butler doing the ceremony. No. This is next level high art and he's singing and dancing and My and, God, his dancing. Good lord. Now what was an that athlete. did you look this up? Was that his singing? How did they handle the singing? Do you know or do you not know yet? I, I, do I not didn't look know. Up. I do not know, but I'm I'm guessing it's that's a lot of his singing. I know he's performing for if the it, entire If cast it is his singing, give him the yeah. Oscar now. This is better than than Rami Malek. This yeah. is better than than uh I'm sorry, Elton John. I can't remember the actor's T- name. Taron right Edgerton, yeah. This is this is it blew me away. And the only like I'm gonna say it, the only reason I was as interested and invested in this movie was because of him, but that's right. actually not as big as an insult to the movie as it sounds like because he is the movie. Well, he is the front runner now for the lead actor Oscar, you know, so far. He is my number one. I'm sure he's yours. He with is with a bullet. front of yeah, I mean, we haven't gotten that onslaught of 20 names yet. And, and I, it's a summer actually, release, and it's a blockbuster. We've seen how these things go in the past. Mike, I actually 
just in an exercise, I went to awards ace and I listed all the names again. Mm -hmm. This is, we only, we haven't done it in a month and you have Bale, DiCaprio, Driver, Domingo, Farrell, Jackman, Song Kang-ho, Kaluuya, Phoenix, Pitt, Plemons, Redmayne, Washington, just to name a few, Rockwell, just just to name a few, Fassbender, Hanks. I mean, they all have movies this year coming out. Hopkins. Yeah, we, we, we ran down the slate for Q3 and Q4 of 2022, and it's going to be an absolute so many. slugfest. Now, can Austin Butler hold on? <laughs> Leo didn't hold on in 2019. Because it was an original character. I think a biopic character has a lot greater chance of holding on just because of how the Academy has treated them recently. If this movie is a big fat hit and if people recognize him at, or recognize this genre saying if we gave it to Rami, if we gave it to Taron, we have to give it to Austin. Mm -hmm. I just wish they said that about Chadwick Boseman from Get On Up. Sure, sure. Let's, say, point. let's be honest. We've had a lot of... And there, there are huge problems with yeah. awarding this performance as well because for as much as Elvis's life story is told you don't I mean he is treated as a fucking descendant from Christ in this movie like he is faultless pretty much in this movie like oh yeah he cheated a little bit and oh yeah, yeah. he may have smoked some weed and he was if it wasn't for that <laughs> damn doctor shoving all those pills down his throat against his will like Elvis is treated as faultless in this movie I'll push back a, a little bit on that in, in the in the spoiler section because I got a reason. Okay. But I, yeah, I I, th I I think he's a bit more rounded. Okay. I mean, let's let's be honest. He's not Buzz Lightyear rounded. Uh, uh, and, and no, <laughs> <laughs> he's around Buzz Lightyear level of rounding. Right. For my Lightyear right. review, I guess I should say. But I, I think he's a little more rounded than that. But still, you're right. I mean, overall, it's a hero portrait. Mm. There's no question. You know, it's definitely it's not you know, reflective as reflective as the what we know the real life story of Elvis to be. Does that we matter? Are Obviously him. not. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, there's, they didn't do the Nixon storyline. Mm -hmm. They wanted to. I think they filmed it. There's a four-hour cut of this somewhere. That I would actually be interested to watch because how much could you have possibly not shown? Yeah. Michael, let's talk about the ensemble real quick, though, because some great performances. Sure. Kelvin Harrison Jr., B.B. King. Didn't Elvis's... even know that was him, to be honest with you. Didn't even recognize Kelvin Harrison Jr. He's he's definitely a touchstone in this film. He's got yeah. some huge scenes that really work, and they address the cultural appropriation immediately. I, I wonder how that's going to be received, to be honest. We'll talk about it in spoilers. Elvis's dad gave a low-key, phenomenal performance mm -hmm. and a lot of montage, a lot of you know just shots of him being emotional. Richard Roxburgh, shout out to him, I, I thought. Yep, agree. You had great. some... Funny comic relief character performances from David Wenham and Cody Smith McPhee early on as Hank and Jimmy Rogers Snow. And then you had just high level performance art, next level performance art. Alton Mason as Little Richard. Mm -hmm. He was great. Yola, the musician, as uh, Sister Rosetta Sharp. Mm -hmm. And then Gary Clark Jr. I thought that was him. It sounded like him. One of my favorite guitarists on the planet. My brother John and I are huge fans of he just shreds. Like his live on his live concerts yeah. on Spotify He's are incredible. my favorite. Arthur Big Boy Crudup, he plays the legend there. So you have them and then you have like a surprise great performance from Billy Hargrove from Stranger Things season three, who I I'll be honest, I didn't love him in Stranger Things. I know he was the whatever sex symbol villain, whatever, but Dacre Montgomery a phenomenal job as as film and TV producer Steve Binder in the middle of this movie. 
I, I thought he he nailed it. He could be a star. I mean, he probably was on that path after Stranger Things, but he could be a star and remind people that he can act to this level after this film. I wonder how much credit Boz is going to get for getting these performances. Because you're right. I mean, even the mother, too, I would throw in there. I was impressed by. She had to play oh, good. reserved as a, uh, you know against this craziness going on around her son. But like, I, I wonder how much credit Boz Lerman is going to get for getting these performances out of every actor, regardless of how big or small the role. I'm not surprised that the cast is like a thousand people long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am surprised that we didn't get just over the top terrible acting throughout this movie. Yeah. For, for whatever reason, I kind of half expect I braced for it. Anyway, let's get into the production values finally and, and talk about this uh, Oscar lens because we're, we're going long in a non-spoiler section here because I think there's one name that we have to mention, Michael, that's so important to all Baz Luhrmann's films. And she's going to be probably Oscar nominated again for this one. It's Catherine Martin. Yeah. Catherine Martin has won four Oscars. She is a producer on all these films, associate producer. And now she's a uh, regular PGA producer. And she's also the production designer and the costume designer. Had her hands full, huh? Like ridiculously talented and all over these Baz projects. And it's almost every one of his films. And certainly this film wearing three hats. I mean, she's going to get... I mean, production design, costume, sound design, to me, them and Austin Butler, those four are probably getting Oscar nominated, or I don't know if you'd argue Austin Butler, but they're getting those three, at least those two, in costumes and production design. I I would say those four should be nominated as of now for me. I absolutely those four, and I'd throw hair and makeup in too, and I know you're against that. <laughs> I say no effing way for Tom Hanks, makeup and hairstyling, screenplay and VFX, but you're actually applauding the rest of the hair and yes, makeup everything to the point. everything else that's not tom hanks related yeah <laughs> i can't really blame you for that i however. mean he look he it's incredible how much he looks like elvis in his later years and 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 is you know is falling down in his career and i just think it's gonna be there man it might it might they've they've enraged me before <laughs> i just think the tom hanks stuff is so bad that it should cross each other out but look <laughs> There's an original song from Eminem and CeeLo Green, The King and I. It probably played towards the end of the credits. I did not stay for those. I think it's terrible. I don't know if you've had a chance <laughs> to listen not listened. to it yet. I haven't listened to it. They did do a decent job with the songs of updating them. Right. The covers are fun. Yeah. Like Doja Cat does one. Yep. Yeah. There's there's a bunch of fun covers in this movie. Uh, I I thought the music was phenomenal. Yeah, in this it was movie. great. It's just as good as it gets because it's, you know, all of his big hits, like you said. Film editing, cinematography, and picture, those to me, (laughs) those to me probably should not be nominated, I would say, but they might be. You never know. Those could go either way. If this movie really takes off and does well, and people had the blast watching it that they have, you know, watching Bohemian Rhapsody and and other musical biopics, like, this is a crowd-pleaser of a genre, Michael. I could see this. I could see at least one or two of those getting nominated. The only thing I'll say about that is if you do put those in, you have to count. You almost have to nominate Boz Lerman and director, don't you? I mean, I guess not because we just saw what happened with Denis Villeneuve and Dune. So five, five as your over under for Oscar nominations on Elvis. Are you, you taking the over? I'm tempted. I, I look, I, I think it's going to be a competitive year. Yeah. But. At the, I mean, at this point I would, but you know, ask me in December. 
All right, final question for the non-spoilers. Where do you rank this amongst biopics, recent biopics? Because I did, I was curious, and I did a big list, and the big picture kind of did something. I have Walk the Line, Straight out of Compton, Amadeus, The Doors, Lavian Rose, Marainis, Ray, Eight Mile, Judy, Get On Up. I have them uh, above it, and then Elvis is kind of somewhere in the mix of the Bohemian Rhapsody era area, I would say, Selena area, Rocket Man area. But I, I have it above Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocket Man. Where, yeah. where do you have it? Probably, probably in a very similar spot as you do. As a matter of fact, I think that's probably fair. I, it's not Walk the Line or Straight Out of Compton. Straight Out of Compton probably did the best job of taking someone's entire life, even though it was multiple people's entire life, and even though it wasn't right. their entire lives. You know, and try, kind of playing with that. This doesn't have that coherence to it. Obviously, we've talked about that, but I did enjoy it more than Bohemian Rhapsody, without question. And even though Ryan McQuaid says we're not allowed to because it's the same movie, I uh, I, 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 get, I get it. They both play the hits. <laughs> I do think I do think this is a unique way to tell a biopic. I don't think we've seen this before. This this absolute barrage of storytelling i gotta give them credit and i i give this a watch i'm shocked to say i give this a watch yeah but do acid first <laughs> <laughs> let's go to spoilers spoilers ahead this is a spoiler warning this is the spoiler section for the movie Elvis, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar, the Oscars profile review of that movie. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause, go out to your local theater, go check it out for yourself. We'll be here waiting for you to come back and hit play on us. If you've seen the movie already, or if you're just curious to hear our thoughts, or if you cannot possibly go another second without hearing what we have to say, this is where you want to be. All spoilers for Elvis from Boz Lerman, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Michael, <laughs> this movie is best summed up to me. If you haven't gotten the point of how ridiculous it is yet, I left for five minutes to go to the bathroom and get some milk duds in the middle yeah, of this movie. You did. I I sat down upon literally five minutes. I sat down on my return mm-hmm. and you turned to me and said, basically caught me up on what I missed. And what I missed was his mother died. He met Priscilla and he had his first two years in the armed forces. <laughs> <laughs> in five minutes the pacing of this movie is ridiculous this is Le Mans never mind Ford v Ferrari <laughs> right uh, how was this so fast because when you know when they slowed it down it was kind of jarring but how did he do it so fast he cross-cut things and that's where I give him a lot of credit like in particular the opening of the film I was terrified that we were going to get 20 minutes of whoever that kid who did a nice job playing Elvis in the, the church, the one time he went to church, and in the book. Like, we saw it in the trailer. I figured, oh, my God, this is a two-hour and 40-minute movie. That's going to be a 15, 20-minute scene. Mm-hmm. But gosh darn it, cross-cutting before his first big performance, like the one in the pink suit that we saw in the trailer, yeah. we're ready for it. That was a great moment. You get the shredding guitar. We're ready for that moment. That's why we're going into the cinema on opening night, Mike. You cross-cut that with the whole backstory. Yeah. Not some of the backstory. The whole childhood Yeah, is the cross-cut. And that's not the only time that would be used in the movie either. I mean, cross-cutting and, and, and montaging is basically Boz Lerman's way of yada yadding through 25-year clips. You have 
the whole scene between him and Hanks, Colonel Tom Parker and Elvis strike the deal, right, for his entire career in their 50-50 partnership after a buildup, after a buildup of a montage of his whole early career on the road with country music stars and all of the you know crises of him becoming a sex symbol, it's all in there. And then you have this you know kind of three layered scene where he 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 and Hanks are in the uh, they're at the carnival, of course, very on the nose because he's a carny, Mister Parker. They're they're in the room of mirrors, then they're on the Ferris wheel, and it's all cross cut with the flash forwards flash forwards of what Hanks does for him and his family and his business and how he sets up Elvis Presley enterprises and where the career's going and the record deals and all of it cross cut. It's that level of ridiculous, ludicrous speed efficiency. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's going a thousand miles an hour and it only really stops. Like I said, I mean, it's pretty much that pace. You get stops in like the, his, you know, the highlight moments, the, the right. pink jacket performance, the the NBC studio uh, TV Christmas special, which I, right. I would watch an entire documentary just about how that came off based on I how agree. it was viewed in the, the movie itself. But, you know, you get those moments. Those are your stopping points. Those are your set pieces. But there's not really a lot of them. Well, the, the first they, they work great, though. The first set piece in terms of. The, the big pink suited performance, you you watch all these women squeal uncontrollably, which is like hilarious <laughs> and cringe, squirm inducing, yes. awkward and rousing. And dare I say it, I myself wasn't sure if I'm allowed to enjoy it, even though that's exactly <laughs> what Tom Hanks needed his destiny to be. <laughs> You have all of that built on the backs of him and his family baggage. The wrong kid died. You have all of this going to the Dewey Cox parallels are unbelievable in this movie. Well, because Dewey Cox stole the Elvis backstory. I guess I could try me some of that cocaine. (laughs) I really need to watch Elvis, but but I almost wonder if Baz likes anime because remember when I reviewed bell from the New York film festival last year, Michael, and I talked about the exposition dumps are at anime high speeds, just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And, and almost, I just can't help, but like be in awe of how they're able to do this. Like we, we watched, that Dr. Loomis get into an elevator <laughs> and go down and we got dialogue giving us exposition dump. Can you imagine if you had millions of dollars poured into just a montage of, I mean, how many setups did they film for this movie? Yeah. How long was this production? Yeah. It's a great question. It's a great question. <laughs> and they, and they, maybe you should get more uh, credit for VFX now that I'm thinking about it too. Then because the, the crosscuts feature a bunch of like snippets and gifts and small yeah. parts of Elvis doing these things, but it's all Austin Butler. None of it's real actual news footage. It's all stuff that was created for the sense for the movie for that the little one scene. Yeah, and you said it later in the film, like the graininess of old Elvis. Like, why didn't they film the whole thing like that? That's how they do. Uh, what's the show on the Lakers uh, on HBO? Winning time. Winning Time. That's how they filmed the entirety of Winning Time and all of these retro, with all these retro cameras. Well, that's and all how that. they should have shot every Tom Hanks scene. I think that would have been a, its own cool little subtext if you just right. shot sub Tom Hanks with that grainy filter like it was an old nostalgia TV footage. But they did some of that. But otherwise, we're dealing with prison. I don't think. I don't think that's with Boz's religion. Like he wants the pristine. 
you know, the big Hollywood backdrop, green screen animated backdrop, because we had that sometimes too. Like they're at a carnival circus and you know they're on a soundstage. Like they're not in real world life. But they he just paints this beautiful canvas backdrop and you're like, Oh my god, that's that's very artistic. That's a that's you know, again, Catherine Martin, she's not in the cellar of Buffalo Bill. Mm. She got out and she you know, her senator mother um <laughs> did the job of getting it no we we all know who who it was it was jodie foster's character um and she got out and she's just made this incredible life for herself despite buffalo bills terrorizing <laughs> where didn't am think i going yeah i didn't think we were going down that rabbit hole today <laughs> i can't believe i can't believe this movie also probably dealt with the scandal i would say or the the controversy so directly and immediately as this film did because you have the cultural appropriation of Elvis's music being referenced and by by every doc, music documentary you ever had right that's the biggest issue and immediately he has BB King and Rosetta Tharp and Arthur Cruda played by these brilliant artists and actors and you have him as Baz Luhrmann telling the story admitting it right off the bat and explaining it and then showing Elvis honor his influences throughout the movie because these are recurring characters. So I'm, I'm actually eager to listen to, to the non-white reception here, Michael. I have no idea what they think of the crosscut between the gospel and R&B at the beginning and the flashback. I, I wonder what folks think of, like, did, did the whiteness get a pass in this movie? Or are they just admitting that the whiteness is in play and that enabled his stardom and his career just in general as a, as a premise. Him being white presents a major problem for the tone of the movie right off the bat almost. Because when Colonel Tom Parker hears that Elvis is a white kid when he's oh listening to the, to the Elvis I record. I spit out my word. Oh, it's so bad. I mean, the, the message is it doesn't matter how special this kid is. It doesn't matter what he sounds like. All that matters is that there's a white kid. Let's, turn, let's put him on a pedestal. Yeah. What? The it's f- very, yeah. very wrong. Um, I also wonder how true. Well, to they're life... making a joke of it. I feel like in that scene, aren't they? Or no, you don't think to me, it came across it. as like, it doesn't matter what this kid sounds. It, it didn't matter that it was Elvis at all in that moment. It just mattered that I it was think, a white person. I think that tells you a lot about Colin Tom Parker's character. Could I think be. deliberately. Yeah. I mean, he's chewing scenery and, and if he had a mustache, he'd twirl it. <laughs> but I, I, I also do wonder how true to life this movie reflected Elvis's handling of cultural appropriation. Because to my memory, I didn't research this. I just know my upbringing. Like I, I remember there being a huge controversy in like the early 90s, mid 90s about how Elvis stole black music and stole right. black performance and showmanship and never credited the, the proper credit where it was due. Now, does that mean he did do it and it just got lost in the media because the media was so Elvis obsessed and they didn't concentrate on the message of him trying to give credit to BB King and all these under other wonderful black musicians. I don't know, but I, I, it felt again, this is part of the reason I said it felt like this was nice guy, Elvis, the movie. Yeah, it could have been, it could have been rose colored glasses there. I don't know. That's, that's where we don't know. That's where I'm ignorant. And I, I, I don't know. So I wonder if, uh, a music historian could watch this movie and call BS a hundred times and say, "That's these are just blatant lies." Right. Or they're total whitewashing of the situation. Whitewashing, 
Right. We we have to uh, leave o- open that as a likelihood, never mind a possibility, I would say. Which gives me pause on the movie overall. Is there a backlash coming? Which is what is I, there... yeah, and that's where the problem, I think, comes in. If this does get Austin Butler all the fame and accolade due to him from a performance like this, I think. I mean, there's going to be, look, I think the movie handled it be- better than probably reality actually did. Because, Michael, when they had the movie open and they, they're telling us the story of his musical and cultural appropriation here, I thought that was going to be the main conflict. And, and it, it makes you, sense the way they handled it. Like they showed this this character, this Elvis character, being someone who grew up in in that inner city. He grew up going to these churches and going to these clubs and making friends with these musicians. So it would make sense that this is the music that he was most in tune with, and this is what he actually performed. Like I get all that. I, I, that's I why was I say, wincing. I think, I think the mu- the movie handles it probably better than reality did. I was wincing, and I yeah, I wonder if it's a fondness. <sighs> I don't wonder. I, you probably know it's an overly overly fond depiction. Now, the main conflict in this story is not the cultural appropriation. It's the it's the business versus artistry of it all. It's Hanks versus Butler. It's snowing versus singing. And I, I do think they kind of got that right. I mean, from the from the crescendo of their addictions kind of coming to the f- forefront, and you know, you have to have if you're going to be Elvis. And you're going to want to be the star that Colin Tom Parker says you could be. You know that's an unholy alliance. And that's why I would push back a little bit because I think Elvis's character is rounded in the sense that he is not just tempted by the you know occasional groupie. He's tempted by the stardom. He wants the Hollywood stardom. And you see, I mean, it's just dripping from Tom Hanks's jowls. Like, do you want this future, <laughs> Elvis Presley? <laughs> yes, I don't disagree. And you know, this the the Colonel Tom Parker voiceover at the end of you know, I didn't kill Elvis. His heart did. His love did. His love for you did. Like that's you know, over the top. Oh, terribly. And he's kind of wrong. You, no shit. Drugs <laughs> killed him. <laughs> and that's yeah, just... that's the other thing. Like they presented this guy. And, you know, there's the Elvira word of mouth stuff about Elvis and how this is very it is well documented that his team did push him too far and did probably load him up with stuff. But he also had a fondness for drugs. If you, you know, believe what you read in certain places. Yeah, you don't know. Right. It it wasn't that nasty, dastardly doctor that one time behind the scenes in Vegas being a feckless coward. And having Tom Parker basically say, you better put this fucking drugs in my boy's system yeah, to get him to that play. That happened. No, he's an addict. He's right. a full-blown addict. And you don't you don't understand who started it or who, who kept it going. Or whatever. And the most I mean, we're given about the seriousness of that situation is when Priscilla leaves him. Yeah, and that's a tragedy. And she, she was the port in the storm at the end trying to get him to go to a rehab. Finally, yeah. it didn't work. It, it's Look, in terms of like a correlative whatever symbol... Yeah, the doctor is that, no question about it. And that's why, I mean, it does raise the stakes of kind of this downward spiral towards the end because it, they, they do a nice job inlaying it throughout. And you have the you have the Tom Hanks addiction of, of gambling as a, a much smaller version of that, but it kind of fueling why he needs to keep Elvis mm-hmm. close to him. And then the mystery of his background, Tom Hanks' Colonel Tom Parker character, I don't buy into that 
you know, emotionality, I would say. That's why the catharsis of this movie, at least in terms of a Colonel Tom Parker making the big speech, you know, Tom Hanks under all that makeup, that doesn't work for me. But I, I do get, I have some empathy, and I empathize with the Elvis storyline, and the and the performance is good enough. But it's it's hard to really get into an A Star Is Born frame of mind, or a Walk the Line, or a or straight out of Compton level of connection, emotional connection yeah. to the story, because even when this movie slows down, they're playing another ten songs. Right. This this <laughs> movie ten isn't videos. about the conflict that I think Boz Lerman wanted it to be about. The conflict right. is usually like the A storyline and then you have the B, C, D storylines. The conflict is one of, between Colonel Tom Parker and Elvis anyway, is one of, I think, several A storylines that this movie tries to do just because it is oh, so yeah. maximalist. When they to me, this... it's a better movie if you have the conflict at the center of the movie every time. I could rip them off. Yeah, you have like however many letters in the alphabet there are, you have those that number of storylines. Right. You have Elvis the sex symbol and there's five or six scenes where Elvis the sex symbol has to, you know, go toe to toe with America mm-hmm. and the old guard from the, and it crescendos from the uh in the the stadium concert sequence. He didn't listen to me. <laughs> Wiggle the finger. You have Elvis's movie career done in one montage, and then you have reverberations <laughs> of that. That stuff, was actually the movie stuff was so preposterous. This guy is the highest paid actor in Hollywood and out of the industry within thirty seconds. I want to be James Dean, <laughs> and <laughs> not even close. And then he's on the Hollywood sign. I wanted to be James Dean. <laughs> Look, the the accent was much better. I didn't. I refrained from an Elvis uh, impersonation this entire episode because. I don't need to because he was actually Austin Butler just being, you know, they just delivered a good Southern mm-hmm. youngster performance stud, whatever. But like you have the artistic expression performance encapsulated. Yes. In the Christmas special, that was never a Christmas special, but you have that just rising with four or five very quick seeds from the RFK assassination kind of at the end of it. Somebody needs to be a voice. <laughs> Yeah, okay, and then man. you have it. And then you have like the last hour of like his worldwide tour hopes against his Vegas residency, and Colonel Baba Yaga just basically <laughs> can't travel. He doesn't have a passport or whatever, whatever reason. Like showbiz versus, you know, the fact that he, you know, he was he wanted to make the exact show he wanted to make in terms of Elvis. And again, it's like the business versus the artistic expression i mean again it's simple it's obvious and if you play another 10 good songs during that conflict i'm in but it's you're not like i'm not moved at the end of it which is probably where this movie in terms of a final grade will will lack for me yeah you can't be moved you can't be it's too much it's so maximal i'm numb (laughs) you're out of breath more than you're like emotional about anything i'm comfortably numb though i would say (laughs) numb but i'm comfortable you know, why am i referring to other people they need to remake that songs. movie too yeah well that was actually a question since we're starting to get towards the end here if elvis is a hit if austin butler does you know have this rocket attached to his ass because of this performance and gets everyone in the theaters what is the artist biopic you want to see next like if they make the Beatles biopic. Okay, the that's the easy, that? that's the easy answer because I agree with you. Like that's you know, what are you going to do for casting with that? What stories do you tell from that? That would be an 18-hour movie, you know, I agree. So other, I guess other than the Beatles, where would you want to go next? Timothy Chalamet is going to play. 
I just watched another documentary. Like, like the documentary on Disney Plus was there. That was just nails on a chalkboard for half of it, and then it was really amazing for the other half. Ron Howard documentary. He or just no, fucking Peter came Jackson. up with Get Back. He was just what? diddling on his guitar, and he's like, oh, "How about this?" I mean, they could make like they could make a cinematic universe of Beatles. Yes, biopics. absolutely. Which I, by the way, I would absolutely watch all those. <laughs> I would too. I think. I mean, they've already almost done it. I mean, we what was the uh, the guy who did uh, Slumdog Millionaire? Please? Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle yeah. did that fun movie ridiculous about ridiculous movie about the Beatles ridiculous. with Ed Sheeran in it. I loved it. Did I say I loved it before? Well, I do. I loved it. And I, I, I got to say, I enjoyed this movie-going experience in a similar way for similar reasons because of all the music. I, I just think that it's so it's, – it's a ground you can mine for a lot more than this one movie. I wonder if – I wonder if the Beatles are, are looking at, you know, the, whoever owns the rights to the Beatles stories are looking at it like we could tell each one of the Beatles biopics in a, a, a very, you know, in a certain way. Is that a Netflix miniseries that I just came up with? Boy, that would be and fascinating. You, and you put huge stars behind each episode of the miniseries and tell, like, their life stories? I don't know. I don't even know who you would get. Well, I mean, Harry Potter's got to play somebody, right? Harry Potter or Harry Styles? Harry Styles, probably. Is Harry Styles Paul McCartney? Could he be? Oh, God. Who, who did I say was John Lennon? Chalamet. <laughs> Chalamet. Come Chalamet, on. Harry Styles, Harry <laughs> Potter, and <laughs> somebody who looks good in a beard to be George. Sure. No, they're, they're not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. This is uh, this is gonna continue if this is a hit. You're you're gonna get all of the big names. I mean, we we got Whitney Houston coming out this uh, this Christmas. Madonna's in the pipeline. Madonna is <laughs> making for better her or worse. That movie's in the She's pipeline. Writing and directing her own biopic. You bet against her because I'm not gonna. I, I can't won't. believe that I won't movie do it. is happening. I, look, I, that movie could saying, be anything. That movie won't be everything. That could be though. this movie again. <laughs> no. Well, we're not getting this round of a portrayal for Madonna's biopic. They're, she's omitting things. I'm I guessing. don't know. I genuinely don't know if that's true because she's a very she's a realist. Maybe. I don't know. I, I'm shocked this movie kind of, sort of, mostly What worked. is your grade for this? I have been going on the gamut of B+, plus all the way down to C+. Plus. I probably just got to end up in a B. Like, this is house of Gucci levels of enjoyment somehow for me. Plus, it's like Bo Rap, Rocket Man fun that without the like I wasn't annoyed at this movie as I was annoyed at Bo Rap and Rocket Man because there are some gr there are some grating scenes in those films mm -hmm. that we just slammed for obvious reasons like those movies get boring somehow both of them this movie was not boring two hours and 40 minutes how is that possible that is true you are not bored and you can't be because you're on the verge of having a seizure the entire time <laughs> Um, uh, probably a B eighty six though. What what's your grade? I don't know. 
I have to go lower only because I don't like, and this is a personal problem, but I don't like this style of filmmaking. Just, just, I didn't I just think I would rather either, you tell the I... story of the conflict. <laughs> like, and I, oh, I am traumatize the conflict. What, what year is this? <laughs> well, I'm is much... it the 1960s, Mister Story Aficionado, Mister much... Story Purist I'm over much here. More interested, in, like, look, if you're gonna tell me that they pulled the wool over everyone's eyes and turned a what should have been a Christmas show into that performance, I want to know everything about how those TV executives were fooled. Like, I want to know that story. How did you get the... Who made the fucking bright Elvis sign to put in the back of that shot before, that the executives only found out about when it was too late, you know? Like, that's the stuff I want to know. They had adjacent sets. Back-to-back, back, facing each other. On a turntable. So it's just like, he hit a button and it went from a Christmas tree backdrop to Elvis. <laughs> they had the Scrooge... <laughs> British Village, across from the 1960s Austin Powers level, whatever, <laughs> scaffolding neon light show. Yeah. You're right. Right. Like, I just, there's that kind of stuff. Did he actually go off the deep end on the stage in Vegas against Colonel Tom Parker one night? And, like, what led up to that? Other than. Yeah, I want more info. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, more that, info. That's, the, that's the movie for me. Other than people saying his identity has always been mysterious, that's why he didn't travel the world. Like Elvis, the the epiphany that he has, like that his that his uh, accented. Uh, I mean, clearly he's not named Colonel Tom Parker. You knew he was not who he says he was. He, he had to come up. He's not a real colonel. The uh, Tom Hanks, when he gets on uh, Colbert, the first thing he says, it's in the movie, too, but he says it as well. He's like, well, the first thing you got to understand about Colonel Tom Parker is that he wasn't a colonel. His name wasn't Tom and he wasn't a Parker. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Immigrant from Hungary who escaped to join the circus, apparently. Wow. Um, So. Just because car crash filmmaking is not for me, I think I mean, this is probably the best example of car crash filmmaking. But I feel like mm-hmm. even if you're calling it car crash filmmaking, you're probably offending somebody anyway. In this case, Boz Lerman. So B minus is where I'll plant my flag. 82, well, B- 83. B minus is probably what I should give it. I wonder if House of Gucci, we had similar. Because I was like, this is a B minus. And you sure. liked it more than me. Sure I gave you're probably like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, I wanted to give this a higher grade today. Like, I, I have it written down in my other doc as a B plus 87. And I'll probably, I probably, I have to, just in terms of any chance of credibility, I have to duck at a point back to a B86. But that's a high grade for me. That's it is. As, as good as anything I've seen in a while at Tribeca, and it's a good grade. It's, it's an A minus Austin Butler performance, and if I find out that he actually did sing, it's an A. Do you think he's getting nominated? We didn't come down on it in non spoilers. Do you think he's getting nominated, or do you think? Because my instinct is to say that he's going to fall off the map a little bit, and his stardom's going to be strong. But ultimately, if Taron Edgerton can't get nominated, and this is a super competitive year. He will not get nominated, but I don't know. A Christmas re-release for this one is so easy to do, though. Hmm. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, I'll say he gets nominated. All right. He deserves cool. to. He deserves to be nominated. This is the he probably should. the best performance I've seen in a movie in 
three years. The Academy has never let us down in this yeah, regard. No, that's so true. You're, you're right. Yeah. It's going to happen. They're 100%. <laughs> what, they're old. Old people love this movie. Just do the right thing. I think he should be nominated. I don't think he will be, but wow. What a what a episode. What a review from us. What a, got through it. what a movie. What a movie. <laughs> guys, what a movie. Guys, as always, what matters most to us are your thoughts. Want to hear from you. Have you seen the movie Elvis yet? Are you more or less likely to see it now, having listened to us ramble on? What are your thoughts about the performance from Austin Butler himself and Tom Hanks with all the makeup? What do you think about its hair and makeup chances as well? Let us know all that as well as anything else. Uh, any other comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything we do here, I should say, in the MMO Empire, you can leave us all of those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or, so- or Spotify app or SoundCloud, too, I guess. I don't don't think you can give us five stars there, but on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you can if you appreciate what we do. If you wouldn't mind giving us a five-star review, those help us out dearly. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Michael, let's have some words of wisdom to go out on here, and let's hear what's coming next from MMO. I don't know if I have any wisdom. Uh, <laughs> I'm just spent. I, uh, I'm kind of spent. I, I'll, I'll get it. To, maybe something will dawn on me. Uh, don't be a Nick fan. How about that there for words go. of wisdom? Don't be a yeah. fan of the New York Knicks because I am just devastated. Or an American we saw who the... wants rights. Yeah, right. No, we saw this movie before the draft, NBA draft last night, and we were, we're reviewing this movie after the. Uh, I didn't even realize it because I was just you know up to my eyes and what's going on with you know and finishing the prep on this episode. So what's going on in politics? You're so yeah, off don't. For it. I'll, I'll I'll conquer the small problem first, and I'll say, "Don't be a nickname," <laughs> but I can't even help that. But I, I guess uh, I guess we're gonna try and do some other movies before the end of June comes out. I don't know if we're gonna get them in a timely fashion. Our schedules are a little crazy over this next week. I'm, I would imagine, so we'll do our best. We will come back at you guys certainly uh, with an episode as soon as possible. Next one, whether it's an Oscar race checkpoint or it's a review of the Black Phone. Uh, otherwise, we got uh, Nope. And we have Thor: Love and Thunder on the horizon yep. in early June and early July, and I don't know if we're doing anything with minions yet. <laughs> we probably should. <laughs> we probably should, based on you know how much we talked about it. But yeah, it's a lot of stuff to monitor with the box office. I'm very curious to where this film will wind up. So we'll have that in episodes of Oscar Race Checkpoint as well. Sounds good. Be on the lookout for all of that and more, guys. As always, when reality sucks, you can. Put on your favorite set of prosthetic jowls and come talk in a high-pitched voice with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya. I think if you dream it, you'll do it. Never met anyone like you. I hope not. <laughs>